Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> Alrighty, I'm going to read our scripture reading for the day. Um, it comes from Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching, if exhorting, in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. All right. So we're in Romans 12. Romans 12, if you want to follow along. We also have Bibles in the back if you want to follow on there too. And I was thinking, you know, a good, a good sermon would be something like uh, surgery. You know, in a good surgery, you know, you get cut a little bit, right? If, if the surgeon knows what he's doing, so you're like, that hurts. But also, you get sewed up, <laughs> right? So I think the Word of God comes to us both to, to cut and to heal. And that's, that's how we get better. That's how we get better. All right, so Romans 12, that's where we're at. The question I want you to think about is this. Uh, do you serve God out of gratitude or obligation? Do you serve God, not like do you, but you individually, you. Do you serve God? out of gratitude, or out of obligation. What we see in this passage is because of the gospel, we offer up our lives in service to one another. In other words, because of our gratitude, because of his mercy shown to us in the gospel, we serve one another. We offer up our lives in service to each other. Let's ask the Lord for help. Lord Jesus, would you help us to understand your word? that by the power of the Spirit, Lord God, that you would investigate the corners and the crevices of our heart. Lord God, that it might be pure and holy. Lord, I'm asking you for the, the gift of understanding and the gift of holiness so that, that you would be honored and glorified through us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I know it's been a while since we... we dropped off in the book of Romans, but we're, we're back at it again. And uh, he starts off, this is a big, a big uh, segue into the rest of the book, all right? It's, and he's saying, hey, everything I just said, all the chapters 1 through 11, all of that stuff, he's saying, you need to live your life in view of that. He's saying, because of God's mercy, look at it, look, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, he's like, which mercies are you talking about? He's like, the mercies that we just talked about for 11 chapters, those things. In view of God's mercies, all the benefits that you have in the gospel, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Now, I need to give a little bit of a synopsis for of Romans 1 through 11. I don't want to take the whole sermon to do that, so I'm just going to do some, some highlights. There are some specific gifts that Christ has, has bought for us with his own blood. And, and the first one we see, we see in Romans kind of 1 through 3, the issue of sin. Right, that it affects every single person, whether you know about God or whether you don't know about God. It affects every single person. And because of God's grace, he provides a solution for us through Christ's death and resurrection for our forgiveness and justification. Now we're going to learn a little bit. Say justification. justification. Yeah, that's a big word, right? Justification is one of my favorite words. Justification means our declared righteousness before God made possible by Christ's death and resurrection. So you got in your mind, you think a courtroom scene, you're, you're standing in front of the judge and you are straight up guilty and everybody know you're guilty. But Jesus Christ has made it so that when God sees you, the declaration isn't what you have done. The declaration isn't your track record. The declaration is what Jesus has done. So when he looks at you, if you are in Christ, he doesn't just say forgiven. He doesn't just say neutral. He says righteous. That's justification. And then you move on in Romans 6 through 8, and we talk about this word sanctification. Sanctification is, it means our gradual and growing righteousness. Get, get this, that's made possible by the Spirit's work. In other words, it's, it's our rehabilitation. Right, somebody has has gotten off gotten us off the hook, but now we have this ongoing process of rehabilitation. And the good news about this that we got in Romans six through eight is that it's not only up to you. It's not just that you grit your teeth and try hard, but it's that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you does this this work in your heart so that you begin to want the things that God wants. At the very ends of of Romans 8, we get this, this, this word glorification. Say glorification. Glorification. It means that we will be fully and forever freed from all sin. And we will inhabit a renewed resurrection body and a new and restored creation. I don't know if, if, if I'm the only one who gets frustrated with myself. Sometimes I'm really, really frustrated with myself. And I, I have to think for a minute, I'm, now self, you, you tripping. You, you are wilding out, self, but, but one day, self, all of you is going to be made new. One day, the sinful nature is going to be gone. One day, I'm not going to have to fight temptation because temptation won't have to come to me. Listen, listen, all of this, this too was bought by the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And then you get to the confusing part of Romans, Romans 9 through 11. That was hard to preach through, y'all. But, but what it tells us about is our election. Say election. Election, the doctrine of election affirms us that God chose us. Listen, the whole part of Romans 9 through 11 is like, like so you wouldn't feel all prideful about yourself because you're a Christian. But you would see that if you are a Christian, it is solely because of God's grace and his initiative, not because of you. And what this encourages us is that we have to consistently meditate on the benefits of the gospel. You Listen. You can't do the whole offering yourself up unless you live in view of the mercies. You can't be a living sacrifice unless you realize the sacrifice that was made for you. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it backwards. Most of us, our natural inclination is to get it backwards. We say, I'm going to work real hard, and then God will meet me and be cool. And then you live under the weight of that burden. 
But gospel change is the opposite. That remember what Christ has done. And listen, listen, like I, we have to put this into daily practice. Like I'm glad you're here on Sunday, right? But we got to put this into daily practice. And look, I just want to make it practical. We have this, this uh, Bible reading app. It's called CBR Journal. We're, we're, we're trying to read Scripture together. And the reading on Friday, what stuck out to me the most is from 1 Peter 1.13. It says, therefore, when your mind, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded. And give this, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what is that? That's glorification. Say, okay, that's, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, there is going to be this salvation that is coming to you. And I, and I thought about it, on, particularly on Friday. I was, I, was, I was thinking through a lot of things, but I just said, well, let me stop for a minute. As many problems, as many complications, as, as many challenges that, that there are in this life, there's going to be a day when all that's over. And y'all, it made me happy. I got happy. And I thought, you know, because of that, I, I, I can live today. Because of that, I can, I, can, I can maybe do some hard stuff. Because I know that he's going to make it better. I can, I, can, I can obey him now. Now, I've joked with y'all often that I wish the Bible was Southern so it would say y'all. Y'all remember that? Now, y'all know the U version, that's the Bible app. But if you go on Google and you type in y'all version, it's a thing. It's a thing, y'all version, okay? So I, I, you know, I, like a good Bible student that I am, I got on the internet and I went to y'all version, okay? Because here's the deal, here's the deal. The English language is strange because I can say you and officially that can mean you individually are all y'all. And y'all understand how confusing that is. If I came into a room and said, you come here, and there was five of you, and if you were thinking all proper, like me or them or who, I don't know. That's, that's why in every culture in America you got y'all, you guys, whatever. You're trying to clarify this thing. So, so what I want to, y'all to see is when I read this in y'all version, okay, uh, that, that sacrificial living is communal. All right, listen, li- li- listen, listen to it again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge y'all to present y'all bodies as a living sacrifice pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the re- renewing of y'all's mind so that y'all may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Do you understand that if you read that scripture individualistically, you don't understand it? If you're like, so me in my corner, I got to present my personal body, and I get my my mind right by myself, and I got to know what I need to do. Listen, do you understand y'all changes the whole thing? It changes the whole thing. Listen, listen, what it's saying is holiness is a community project. Offering yourself up isn't just you, it's y'all that we together would figure out how to serve Jesus, that we together would offer up spiritual sacrifices of worship, that we together would do good works that glorify God. We don't follow Jesus in an individual, just me and Jesus bubble. This idea is completely foreign to the New Testament. You don't find isolated Christians just chilling. Y'all come. Y'all follow me. I'll make y'all fishers of me. I'm telling you, I need to read y'all version. Anyway, it, it changes the game. It changes the game. Listen, listen. It's, it's like when, when you're, if, if you are trying to do Christianity by yourself, it's, it's kind of like seeing somebody play football by themselves. 
And I don't know if you've seen a kid, like he throws it and then he tries to run and then he gets it. And you're like, you're looking at it and you're like, well, I see what you're trying to do. Like it's, it's kind of football, but not really, right? You're like I, I, you got the football, I see you're trying to, you're trying to play the game, but, but you need more people to successfully play that game. So, so listen, if we're going to be disciples of Christ, it's not just us. I mean, you can, I guess, kind of do it. You, I can see what you're doing a little bit. But, but if it's going to be successful, if it's going to be as it is outlined, it is together that we follow Christ. See, we are encouraged to ongoing sacrificial worship, not just the, the singing, but the actions of our lives. And this text implies that you can't do it by yourself. That's what the text implies. The text implies that you are open and honest about what's going on. The text implies that sometimes somebody's going to have to tell you this is the, 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 the way that we can be holy together and that we are always communally pressing towards the goal, that nobody in the community has done it 100% perfect, and nobody can do it 100% by themselves. But everybody is looking at everybody else saying, listen, we have this goal of offering up our lives to God, and I need you and you and you and you. We need each other so that we can accomplish this. Now, I got a real fancy way. Now, how, how do we accomplish this encouraging each other towards worshiping God? Y'all ready? It's real fancy. You ready? Number one, Show up. One time I was, uh, I, I wasn't even in ministry yet, but there was a, there was a guy in my church, and his, his dad got a very bad prognosis. He was in a hospital, and he, the doctor said he's going to die. And I went with the older brother, and we were going to go try to encourage him because he had just got this news that his dad is, is, is going to die. And we're driving over there, and I'm like, what in the world are we supposed to say? I don't, what, how, are we, how are we supposed to encourage him? Like, what, what are we going to do? And he looked at me and he said, Will, half of ministry is just showing up. Y'all, that is so true. Just, just showing up, just being present. There are some times when, when I, I'll be with a ministry partner and we, we do some ministry and then we try to analyze it. We're like, how did that go? And we're like, well, we were there. <laughs> like, we showed up, you know, <laughs> like, like, like we did half of the work just by getting there. Listen, half of ministry and discipleship is just showing up. Listen, since, since we know that discipleship is communal, we have to show up and trust the spirit that he works when we try to obey him. That he works. Listen, listen, sometimes I feel like we get, we get so frustrated because we're like, man, I, I showed up to the thing and I didn't get anything out of it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all been there. Now, listen, I, I want you like to like water or plant and then like look at it and be like, why aren't you growing? Your plant. To put the water on you and nothing happened. See how silly that sounds? You, like, like you, growth happens over time, yes? And if you water the plant and it doesn't grow, ain't like tomorrow you're going to be like, no more water for you. No, 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 you know, you know that, well, I got to water it every day. And, you know, you, you understand this, but in discipleship, we don't understand this. We're like, every water, it has to be like sparkling water. It has to be the carbonated kind. It has to be beautiful. No, sometimes you just need regular water. You just need to show it so you can get water by the word. And over time, Jesus is going to produce fruit 
in you. Let's look at verse 2 again. It says, we can get our, this idea, our minds must be renewed by gospel truths. I'm going to read it in y'all version again, okay? Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of y'all's mind, so that y'all may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So is it saying get in the corner with your Bible and figure out stuff? Is that, you can't read it like that. Don't say y'all do it. No, it no, is it like, like you sit and you like watch YouTube videos all day and learn stuff? No, 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 no that's not what it's saying. It, 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 we, it's saying this, that we have to speak God's word to each other. Now, here's the deal. I know that there are some funny and common fears that accompany this command to speak God's word to each other. The first one is sometimes you're like, well, it just feels too simple and it doesn't sound profound. You know, because of Twitter, I feel like everybody's trying to say the same stuff, but real fancy. You know what I'm talking about. You know, like, y'all, y'all know some people should be like, look, let me, let me tell you something you ain't never heard before. Red flag, y'all. Red flag. <laughs> listen, listen. The idea is this. It, it, if you think that the power to change is in your creativity to say something from the Scripture, that means you're relying on your creativity. But the power to change is in the word of God itself. And so that when I speak God's word to somebody, even if it doesn't sound fancy, and yes, even if they heard it before, God's word is powerful and is going to do work. The other thing is sometimes you're like, I don't want to seem too holier than thou. I don't want to think I'm so spiritual. Listen, if we are speaking God's word to each other, it's not that we pointing to us. We're pointing to his word. We're pointing to what he said, not our cleverness, not how awesome we did, not our awesome track. No, I, I, I don't know a lot, but I know what he said. So let me tell you. And what's that? That's watering. That's watering. And you're like, he ain't changed because I said it one time. You just keep, you keep watering, man. You don't stop because somebody ain't just, no, you keep watering. You know, uh, at the end of verse 2, we see that a, remo- a renewed mind results in obedience to God. He says, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And if I, everybody, and they mama, and they mama's mama, everybody's asking, what is God's will? What does God want me to do? I, know, I got a scripture for that. Remember I just said it was scripture? Okay. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. You ready? For this is God's will. Are you ready? Your sanctification. The end. For this is God's will. Your sanctification. Some people think discerning God's will is like playing a lottery. Y'all ain't never had no scratch-off ticket. You're like, well, I wonder what it's going to be today. I hope it, I hope it may, you, 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 you think it's some, some, something that you have to search really hard for and that's something that's hidden from you. And you're like, I wish there was this veil that would just, that would just leave. Listen, listen, in trying to obey God, we have to stop searching for what is mysterious and look towards practical obedience. We look to what is clear. Beloved, if we look to what is clear, I promise you God going to take care of the other stuff. If we obey what is clear in the text, what it, what on, when you read the text and it says, love your neighbor, when you read the text and it says, pray for your enemies, when you read the text and it says, forgive one another, you're like, what is God's will? That 
that is his will. The will of God is, is obedience to what is clear. And guess what? We need each other. So listen, the text isn't saying, it's not like, well, so-and-so chooses a different job, and you don't think that's the job for them. You should be like, no, no. If so-and-so is not listening to God's word, <laughs> then the, the will of God is God's word. You see how, you see how like, it, 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 de- it demystifies it a little bit. It's not, it's not so complex. We have to obey what is clear. And what we get from this text is that gospel mercies plus gospel truths instruct and inspire obedience. Listen, when I'm thinking about the mercies of God, when I'm thinking about his forgiveness, when I'm thinking about that he adopted me, when I think about that he is working in me, when I think about that he is going to come back and make me completely and 100% new, I go, man, I want to obey you now. And then when I'm like, well, what does that obedience look like? It looks like what he has commanded. And listen, you naturally conform to what you are exposed to. Naturally. What you listen to, what you watch, you're going to get conformed to that thing. And what this is saying is through the community of the church, be exposed constantly to God's word and watch him do work. Look at verse 3. Sacrifice is lived out in the context of the church. He says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of it. So he starts, I, I love this connection. Like If you just read verse 1 and 2, you're like, I just got to do something. Re-. Like it, it feels mysterious. Present your bodies as holy sacrifices. How? Oh, the whole one another thing. The whole being a part of the body of Christ thing. That, that's the how. That's how you do it. And, and what, it's, what it's saying is that the gospel humbles us. When we think about the mercies of God that have come to us, not because of what we have done or not because we earned it, but because of Jesus Christ and his grace, when we think about the mercies of God, the result is humility. That I didn't contribute anything to this whole arrangement except my sin. And so I can't go thinking about how awesome I am when I'm with other people. Because the gospel has humbled me. What it also says is that we need each other. Here's the thing. If you are not a part of the body of Christ, it is impossible to obey what the scriptures say. There's like 51 another's. You can't one another yourself. Don't work like that. You, you, like, you cannot obey what the text says without being in the community of the church. And in verse 5, he's, he's, saying, he's wanting us to know that, that Christ gave us one another. Like, like, like the church, like when you think about, I don't know, your arm or something, you probably don't think about your arm a lot, but you're like, that's nice that I have that arm. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad I do, right? If you didn't have the arm, you'd feel kind of sad. I'm sure. The idea is this, is that when you look at the members of the body of Christ, you go, man, I'm glad I got them. I couldn't accomplish what I, what, I, what I want to accomplish without them. And because of that, they are God's gift to me. In other, other words, the resources of our growth in the Lord are the people in your church. 
the resources of our growth in the Lord are the people in your church. People will pay to go to conferences. People will buy books. People will watch videos on all types of spiritual things. People will read all the blogs they want to do, but will avoid the main God-given resource for growth, which is the people in the church. I mean, when you look at each other, you don't need to only see people that you, you know, I see you every once in a while and you kind of okay. No, no. They are God's gift to you for your growth. You're like, where am I? How, how, do, I, how do I grow? Do I need to read a special book? Maybe you do, but, but l- let's, let's obey what's clear before we get to what's not clear. Yeah? <laughs> then it goes on to say that, that everyone has unique gifts to bring to encourage one another. Look at, at verse 6. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching and teaching, if exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Paul's saying, look at all the diversity that, that is in the church, all the, all the gifts that exist within the church. And I, I just want to describe a couple of them. When he, when he talks about prophecy, that, that's, that, that's the one that people can get a little funky about. But, but prophecy is, is, is just sharing what God has revealed to you. Let's, let's not overcomplicate it. First Corinthians 14.3, it says, The person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So as God puts something on your heart that would strengthen somebody, then say it. If God has put something on your heart that would encourage somebody, say it. If God puts something on your heart that would comfort somebody, say it. Listen, I, I, I remember there was, there was one day last summer I, I was discouraged that particular week, and I, my friend, uh, who I didn't see a lot, didn't really know a lot about the ministry, he came to the office, and he, he just said, let's pray together. And then in the middle of the prayer, he looked at me, and he just said, you know what, Will? God sees you. God sees the ministry. And that simple thing brought me a lot of encouragement. I mean, yeah, he does. God does see what's going on. God, God does see this. When he said he describes service. This is the Spirit's empowerment of personal uh, acts of assisting others in the church. I think one of the, the best examples here, I can say this because he ain't even here. Uh, my, <laughs> my brother-in-law, Damon, that dude will serve. If you, like, he's, all, he's one of the last people to leave. He's, like, picking up something, picking up trash. The dude's a smart guy. Like, he, like he, he has the ability to do things that are a lot more, I guess, to our eyes, look a lot more important. But he is always just serving in little ways. And the result is that burdens are lifted. Yeah? He says there's this gift of teaching. It's, it's the Spirit's empowerment of people who communicate sound and biblical truth. In other words, it's making complex things understandable. So, you know, we have that, that soccer uh, thing going on on Wednesdays. It's like a soccer camp, and my kids go to it, and uh, the instructor's name is Bailey. And, and my kids come home understanding different biblical truths. And I'm like, well, looky there. <laughs> She's taking complex things. And making it simple, the, the, the result is I understand that better. And yes, we have this gift of exhortation. It's the applications of the truths communicated in teaching or the passionate urging and encouraging of people to live out what they know to be true. I remember when we moved back uh, from East Asia, we went to go see uh, uh, one of my old professors, Dr. Rowe. He's the, the guy who, who married us. And I was telling him, you know, I think maybe I should plant a church. And this man looked me in my face. He said, you plant a church or you will disobey God. I was like, oh, gosh. 
Like, that's serious, you know? Like, and I left that meeting going, oh, I guess I better do the thing. <laughs> I guess I better do the thing. Listen, the result of exhortation is I should do this. We have people who have the gifts of giving. It's the Holy Spirit's empowerment of personal acts of giving money. Now, I ain't going to tell you who they are because you're going to go ask them for something. But listen, I know people who have bought cars and even houses for people. And these people with the gift are meek. They're not flashy. They're not just, just, just throwing out money. But they are usually very frugal. But they use what they have, the access that they have, to, to be generous. And the result is that needs are met. Then we have leading, and I think that's administrative oversight. And, and Christine learned real quick, if, if, if you say something about administrative oversight, I'm like, okay, then oversee something. <laughs> listen, listen. Now, like we, the, uh, yesterday we had the, the whole education building of Ocrest. It's clean, uh, not clean, it's, it's got all the old stuff out, and it is ready for some more work. The result of leading is that things get done. We see mercy, acts of compassion for the, to, to comfort those who are sick, discouraged, and depressed. It's, it's folks who move towards people who are suffering. I've seen that a lot in, in this community, in my neighborhood. When folks, like if somebody passes away, look, the, the, like the whole neighborhood comes. <laughs> Make sure they got food. That they, they move, move closer to people who are suffering. And the result is that people are cared for. Now, here's the question that, that maybe some of you have in the back of your mind. How do I figure out what my spiritual gift is? How do I know? I got something real fancy to tell you. Uh, it's show up. Show up. I remember, like, I want y'all to understand, I accidentally figured out I could teach. It was not on purpose. When I, when I was in high school, I just, I wanted my friends to know something about Jesus, and I, I didn't know what to do, and I was reading the book of Acts, and I was like, well, it looks like they pray a lot. And so I got my friend, like, we're going to pray. And someone was like, okay, you know. Like, and so, like, we got early morning, morning, went to classroom. was five of us. We prayed, and I don't even know if I'd been to a prayer meeting yet. So the prayer was like 30 seconds. And then they all looked at me like, well, what are we supposed to do now? And I was like, oh, I guess I'll teach you something. That, that's how I figured it out. And I don't know what I said. It was probably heresy, but, 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 but listen, I'm just saying, like when we show up with a posture of service, God draws out gifts, and then other people in the church begin to affirm it. Hey, did you know this? When you showed up and did such and such, did you know that, that God has gifted you in this way? The, the, do not wait until you have a certain knowledge of what your spiritual gift is. Show up and serve, and God will bring it to light. And he'll bring it to light by other people saying, hey, do you know that you can do that? You should probably do it some more. You know, we offer up ourselves as living sacrifices because Christ offered himself for us. Ephesians 5, 2, it says, Christ loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. What is, yeah, I don't know if you ever smell something and go, mm, that's good. You know, on Thanksgiving or something, you'll smell no turkey and you'll be happy. That's just me. Okay, listen, when you smell something, it makes you happy, you know. So, 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 so the, the life of Christ, his, his obedience, the fact that, that he always said no to sin and no to Satan, that he always helped people. When God the Father looked down, he said, mm, that smells good. I like that. 
And then Christ, and when he when he realizes that that not really realizes, but when he dies for sins, and he's 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 sacrificing out of love, and when he says to the Father, "Not my wills, but but yours be done," because I want my people to have salvation, the Father goes, "Ooh, that's good." In a similar way, when we live our lives in view of His mercies, when we join together with people in the church, when we show up. For fellowship and service, the Father goes, that smells good. I'm pleased with that. So here's what I want to say. If God's people who are filled with God's spirit show up and speak God's word to one another, spiritual growth will happen. Yeah? So, so when we have opportunities of fellowship, we have opportunities of service, the, the, the ask is not complex. What's the ask? To sh- Show up. <laughs> show up. Because, because when we show up, God's spirit is at work. When we show up, God speaks to us. Now listen, every meal you had is, was not like a four-course awesome meal. Sometimes it was ramen noodles, but it kept you alive, did it not? So every time you come and serve and every time you fellowship, it's not going to be like, that was the greatest thing I've ever had. No, it might not be, but it, it helps you grow. It keeps you alive. So so we show up because we trust that God is at work and he will do what he promised. That he will produce good change in us. That he will show us our spiritual gifts. When we show up with a posture of God, I am here for you. And I want to offer up my life to you with the people that you have brought near me. So, beloved, let's encourage each other because God has been merciful to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I I thank you so much for your word and I praise you for the clarity of it. Lord, I I thank you that that you are a, a kind and gentle teacher who does not seek to confuse us but seeks that we would understand exactly what you want from us. Lord, Lord, I bless you. I pray that our church, Lord, would it be um, a sweet-smelling aroma to you, that when we serve each other and we serve other people, that it would bring joy and pleasure to your heart. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.